What's happening? I blew up the podcast. Why? Because you made a phone call. To another edition of the weekend to take. I am, of course, uh, your your host, uh, Gene Hackman. No, I'm kidding. I am Dion Lewis. That's my favorite part of that intro was Derek just trying to cue him in. Well, you know what it was. Nah, I ain't gonna say it. I, I was trying to remember exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> Speaking of Daniel and, uh, and the rest of the crew, it's, it's the anniversary man himself. He has an anniversary today, his first wedding anniversary, but he's kind enough to share some of the day with us. What is up, my man? How are you today? Chilling, Mr. man. Doing good. Appreciate Congrats, you, man. Bro. Appreciate all love for it. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Thanks, homies. Appreciate y'all, man. And of course, back from an extended vacation. It is uh, one Mr. Austin Brazina. How are you, sir? I am here. <laughs> yeah. I am. I Dang, am the that, that coworker that's been out like out for two weeks is back. Like, hey man, welcome back. Like, ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, all right. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm surviving, getting by. Yeah, so you, you, you want me right. to lie to you? <laughs> you're right. I am here. That is correct. <laughs> Someone who is also here is uh mr mr thespian poppy himself terrell huff how are you today sir thank you for your will smith impression indeed sir <laughs> uh you know hey man uh support the arts because well we are the arts and we're doing art stuff so what's, what's up <laughs> so this is the weekend to take where we do terrible intros and then after that we <laughs> one topic, distill it down into its purest form its essence we throw it in a little bowl stir it up real nice give it back to you the people. Then you the go out. People. You're all informed and stuff. You're doing things you're not supposed to, like flexing on your friends about your sports knowledge. You probably shouldn't be doing that, but that's what you'll be doing because uh, you have to. Do that. Do it. Also, just a little inside baseball. I had it down to two intros this week, Daniel. <laughs> the other intro was going to be something based around the debate and how I am talking, but I didn't know how to. <laughs> court. So I just went with the easier one for me to court. You made the right choice, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> when you know what the two choices are, I, th- I think you'll agree that I chose correctly. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. So, <laughs> now that we are ready to get going, before we get going, every week, there's one man who speaks before the topic is even spoken about. Because, frankly, he's going to do it whether I let him or not, so we turn it into a segment. Next segment is sponsored by who, Daniel? Sponsored by Jake and T. Charter. The official charter, though, the movie Grizzlies. And that segment is Terrell Huff's first take. Mr. Poppy, the floor is yours. Thanks, sirs. Well, you know, man, so basically this week, the commissioner of the NBA, uh, Adam Silver, basically said he was a little bit confused as to why the ratings for the NBA during LeBron James' chase for his fourth title and bubble play and all these things going on. He was just so confused about why the ratings for the finals itself is just so low. Um, and I found this to be kind of odd because, well, to me, it doesn't really make any sense for him to be confused by this because personally, I, you know, not being someone that is in advertising or in ratings or anything of that, I'm no, I'm no marketing person, but to me, 
if your sport is going on at a time when one, most people are not really thinking about basketball too much, except for the fact that it's going to get started here. Normally we would be getting started with the NBA season uh, at the end of this month um, is typically when the, when the season would start. Uh, you're probably thinking about what draft picks might do at this point if you're an NBA fan. Um, and you're probably a little more, more focused on baseball and a little bit more focused on football just kicking off and all the things that are typically going on at this time that typically the NBA does not have to share its airspace with. And now the NBA is. So the idea of being surprised that the ratings are down a bit from previous finals is more confusing to me than it is to Adam Silver, because to me, it's not confusing. So what I'm confused about is why he's confused, because, of course, the ratings are going to be down. All the people that would normally be watching basketball and we're talking about if it was regular finals time, all the people that would normally be watching basketball, that's pretty much all they would be watching. Baseball ain't even in the playoffs normally when basketball, the finals are going on. So the idea of why people aren't watching the way they normally would is because let's be realistic. You've got a big chunk of the fan base of the NBA for lack of better terms is, is casuals people that are just watching for the excitement of it and watching for the athleticism of it and things like that. Well, guess what? Those people have other things to watch when October rolls around. Those are the same people that aren't watching the NBA when the NBA starts. Diehards are watching the NBA when it kicks off around the beginning of November, end of October, but everybody else is not watching the NBA. The casuals are not watching the NBA at this time of year, typically. So you shouldn't be that surprised, Mr. Silver, at why people aren't watching the finals. And I understand it's the finals, but just because it's the finals are not going to make casuals tune in. That's your problem. Don't be so shocked by that. Because when the regular season, next time we get a regular season in and everything is on a normal schedule, you'll see the ratings go back to where they are. And it's not because a bunch of knucklehead ass Republicans are running around here talking about Black Lives Matter ruining the NBA and social issues ruining the NBA. That has nothing to do with it because the NBA has been at the forefront of that for a really long time. So it's a non-story, in my opinion, that the Black Lives Matter movement and social issues are the reason why the NBA isn't getting the ratings that it normally would. That's all I got to say about that. And so that was Terrell Huff's first tank, sponsored by who, Daniel? Sponsored by Jake and D. Charters. Mr. Charters of the Memphis Grizzlies. So as you might have guessed by Terrell Huff's first take, we are talking today about the NBA and their quote-unquote ratings problem. Um, over the weekend, a and We're report- also talking about Austin Brazina's dope shirt. Uh, well, yeah. Y'all can't see, but... Actually, we both got the Lion King. We both got the Lion King shirt rolling today. Yeah, and now y'all have to explain the shirts because this is a radio format and nah, no, it's because we uh, I posted about it before, but I got a birthday gift. It is the Stankonia album cover, but with the cast of Lion King. And I just have a shirt with the cast of Lion King that says Hakuna Matata. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite as cool, and I got kids, and you know. But I'm sorry. But you know what? No, because we're all that tangent now. So, side note: today I took a, a little, the reason I'm like like half out of it. We had to take a road trip because today I picked up a kitten and she's over here sleeping on my bed. So I keep turning around to make sure she's not dead yet. Austin got another <laughs> cat. Yeah, that's why. So the reason I mentioned this, though, is because we picked her up in a city called Junction. And let me tell you, 
I know. I don't think there was a black well, person man. in a hundred miles. Yeah, I know Junction well. <laughs> and I I've was through, yeah. his shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. I've been through Junction like probably about fifty times uh, driving between yeah. here and San Angelo. And uh, yeah, dude, nope. Junction ain't changed in like fifty years, bro. Nope. I had that Junction vibe when I walked in there. Yeah. We we stopped at a gas station or something, and my mom yeah. was getting out of the car, and I was like, I was joking. Of course, we wore masks, but I was like, you don't need a mask. This is a Trump country. We go in that show. <laughs> it, it really is. Not yeah. a damn mask in there. Not a damn mask in there. Yeah. Not to mention Junction is like, if you want to know what the what the what the town from um from uh Varsity Blues was like. Yep. Like, yep. I, it's de- I'm dead serious. That it, the town from Varsity Blues might as well have been Junction. Yeah, they had post fly, uh, every window. Every window was advertising their football team. Yeah, <laughs> that was a side tangent, but I just thought it was hilarious because I'm sitting there wearing this shirt. And I'm like, <laughs> speaking of places that might not like black people, there was a report. <laughs> the segue over the, over the weekend uh, that came about the NBA and their uh, their finals ratings. Uh, you know, Game Three of the NBA Finals was a record low. Uh, since 1984, when they started recording uh, NBA Finals ratings, they had 5.94 million viewers. And so that was down because of the Heat winning game three. It looks like the, the audience went back up to 7.54, which was the, still the second lowest finals rating uh, since 1984 when they started recording. And so that led to a host of reports over the weekend uh, regarding Adam Silver and the NBA's health. Um, there's already a problem among fans, uh, according to the New York Post's Mark Berman uh, and Lines.com. They sur- a survey of 1,105 fans came out, and 19% of them, that's a pretty large number, think that the 2020 NBA Finals are not valid. And with that information in tow, according to sources from Berman, or close to Berman, Commissioner Adam Silver is still surprised at the low audience with LeBron James chasing his fourth title at age 35. So we're aiming for next year's NBA Finals to not compete in the crowded sports month of October. So we has made general comments that could signal a belief that the emphasis on Black Lives Matter has resulted in a ratings fall. Silver said next season he doubts players will be permitted to wear social justice messages on their jersey and the Black Lives Matter logo isn't expected to be on the floors of home arenas. The commissioner is wary of these worthy gestures continuing next season. A certain amount of fatigue would offset the messaging. Uh, according to the report. Then there was, of course, a counter, well, I don't want to say of course, but there was a counter report from Yahoo Sports, uh, Kurt Keelan, that said the league was strongly denying that first report and saying the falling ratings have fallen in the range that the league projected once the playoffs have started. Um, of course, some right-wing talking heads have uh, taken t- to Twitter to announce that Black Lives Matter and social justice are hurting the cause. Uh, Mark Cuban and, and Ted Cruz got into a back and forth on Twitter. We'll get into that a little later for now. We'll focus in on the NBA's ratings. But as as Terrell pointed out, there's a lot of things going on right now. So it's very justifiable to think that the NBA's ratings are down because, you know, the Stanley Cup is on, MLB playoffs, golf is back, the NFL is on right now. These are all happening all at one time pretty much and sharing the, the space that usually the NBA would have for itself in June when there's pretty much only baseball going on, Stanley Cups is tangentially in the in the rear view. Uh, it, it's going on as well. But what do you guys think is happening? Like, are the ratings down because white people are flocking off, turning off televisions? Or are the ratings down because it's understandable that the ratings should be down? Hey, real quick, I'm going to let somebody else start off since I already did my first take, but I want to make sure that I get this out. Uh, the Kentucky Derby is down by a similar percentages as the NBA. I just want to say that's the most racist sport in the history of all times. Okay? Racist. Racist. 
race. The Kentucky Derby. And the Kentucky Derby is down. So if you want to blame it on Black Lives Matter and social issues, and you don't want to talk, I don't hear Ted Cruz, excuse me, Raphael Cruz, I don't hear him saying nothing about the Kentucky Derby. He ain't calling up none of them horse owners talking about how their numbers are down just the same as the NBA are. Guess what? Everybody tired. Okay? So I'm sorry. I had to get that out. Because everybody talking about that racist Kentucky Derby. Ain't nobody talking about that. You get mint julep up my butt. I don't want to hear all that. Austin, I am Austin, starting quick, a GoFundMe. Austin, real quick, to, to Terrell's point, pretty much every sport is down across the board in the same manner that the NBA is down. So that is something that I didn't read that I that I should have noted as well. Yeah. Uh, I was just I'm being sorry. petty. I was just being GoFundMe. petty, and I had to say something about about Kentucky Derby. I'm sorry. I'm starting to GoFundMe to buy a baller ass racehorse, and we're naming it Black Lives Matter. That's and we're entering in the triple crown. That's <laughs> what's up. <laughs> I'm down. And I want to see what happens. <laughs> I, I think the horse has to be like low. two years old or something like that. I don't though, know. So, I don't know the uh, fuck So, but who cares? Yeah. So to to uh, the NBA. Um, I mean, there, I would say my immediate concern was that silver is. My my immediate reaction is that silver saving face. That was he's not surprised. He, he like Terrell said, he knows what's going on. He's not surprised. He's smart. He has all the data at his disposal. He knows what's going on. The immediate thing is right now, and the reason he's commenting on it is because there's a backlash that it's related somehow to protest messaging, and they want to cut that off right now. They want to show very clearly that look, we're not. It's not that fault. We may not do it next year, and that's why he's couching that. And uh, that's a little problematic to me. Like they're couching it now, saying that we're not going to do it next year. Don't worry. But the reasoning behind it is fatigue. Now, in the defense of that, that's a fair reason. It, fatigue is a real thing. I don't think the message will be as powerful next year, but I don't think they should be censoring people. So I think hopefully the NBA has that discussion with the players. They all sit down and they all come to a middle ground where they allow messaging of some sorts, but it's not going to be like as branded as it was this year or whatever. That would be my immediate fear with what Silver's comments have been. But as far as being related to I, I almost laugh at it because no fucking they're not protesting the nba because of this i think there is a, a, a i think there's two major losses that the nba suffered on a pr front one is china two is this um now this was a big boon for the already fans of the nba but i don't think they won more viewers by taking a hard stance and supporting black lives matter so yeah i mean there's a little bit of truth in it i'm sure there are some people that just said you know we're done with the NBA, I'm never going to watch it again. Cool. Have a nice fucking day. But ultimately, it's not enough of a block to justify the numbers drop. And you can't you can't bog yourself down in them talking shit about it, saying like, hey, we have all this power. We're the ones crushing the NBA. Like, oh, I didn't even know the finals are happening right now. Like that yeah. kind of bullshit. Right. I don't like any of that. I don't think it's worth. I mean, it's worth entertaining it as a discussion goes, but it's not worth entertaining them as a reasonable standpoint. Now, ultimately, I think the obvious answer is that it's just it's just a flooded month. There's too many sports going on, too much attention being drawn other ways. I think the most telling thing was what, uh, what, what Derek said when he said that the ratings bump happened after the Heat won, because myself included, this was a boring series. Once I heard everybody was not going to be playing in it, I still right. enjoy it. But ultimately, I was like, this isn't like this isn't the finals I wanted. The bubble has been immensely competitive, immensely successful. And then it culminated with a hurt Heat team that had a chance to compete with the Lakers. Fast forward to now, and we found out, yeah, Jimmy Butler and, and, and crew, but specifically Jimmy Butler, has made this a, a quite phenomenal run of games so far compared to what it should be. These should have been a sweep, in my opinion, but Jimmy Butler is apparently that dude. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's a lot of factors involved. I, you know, ultimately, it's, it's just fatigue. I, I think it's fatigue with media. It's fatigue with everything going on in the world. We could probably dive into deeper issues like marketing as far as cable is, is on the way out. You know, I, I don't think I've seen an advertisement for the NBA Finals. Like, if I wasn't a fan of the NBA, I don't think I've seen an advertisement for it. I, I wouldn't know it's on TV. I have to Google every day what day the games are. Like, this isn't common knowledge. So I think marketing in the new 2020 is a big problem, but I don't know how much I could blame on the NBA. Yeah, I mean, for me, kind of to, to go off what Austin was saying, just take a, this is safer fact to take away, you know, that COVID happened, um, you know, the current social justice issues as well. It is like it was a, a regular year. With this matchup right now in the finals, I don't think they would have too much in terms of setting records for views anyways, because it's not what people wanted. Um, it's not too compelling. I mean, on one side, you do have the Lakers because you have two superstars on one team. The Heat, um, you know, up until now, people are not really like realizing how good Jimmy Butler is. But even their style of play isn't really conducive to actually having casual people come in and start watching the game. Um, so I think that's a big reason why – another reason why the numbers are down. Um, also, I think Adam Silver may be overestimating how big the draw just LeBron himself is in terms of watching an actual series. Um, because before when LeBron was there, he was going against, you know, the world beater Golden State Warriors. So that was a great matchup back and forth. And that kind of drew more into it. And that's why I think the ratings on those are so just, you know, so high and historical. Just because it was two great teams going back to back. And you had some of the best players to ever play the game also in that same series as well. Um, also, like I was going to say in terms of marketing, I don't think it's that they are doing poorly in terms of marketing. I think it's because so much stuff is going on every single day between these games. It kind of gets lost, lost in like the wash of everything, right? Like you're trying to kind of build up anticipation for the next game and talk about what happened, you know, do your little promos and everything. But, you know, then there's another tweet from Trump where you have the debate coming up or someone with social justice or more updates for COVID or something about the NFL. So there's so much stuff going on all at one time. That I think it's hard for any, really any sport to kind of just, be out there and grab everybody's attention all at once. It's kind of everybody's just looking in different places. Um, so that's going to be very rough for them. Um, of course, like we said quite a few times with COVID, pretty much numbers are down across almost every single business in America. So it's not surprising that the sports world is also suffering as well. That's just what it is right now, right? Things aren't operating like how we used to have them operating because these aren't normal times. Um, so it, of course, people are trying to spin the narrative that, you know, because the NBA is predominantly black and they're, you know, fight the hard for Black Lives Matter. Like, look, see, this is a bad thing. This is hurting business. Like, all Matter doesn't care about business and people. Or we told y'all, listen to what the American people said. They didn't listen. Now America is punishing you. So it's all about the narrative and trying to, trying to you know, build it up. And I, I don't think Adam Silver and the NBA wants to be like, oh, well, look at the NHL. Look at, you know, um, whatever and see how their numbers are down. Because that's, that's kind of a bad way to do an argument anyway. Like, look at them. They're doing bad as well. So don't get on us. It's more like, okay, say what you want to say. You know, um, we're just going to get through this, get through this year, which they're trying to do, and then get ready for next year. Um, lastly, I think a reason why Adam Silver kind of started mentioning some things about not having, you know, the stuff on the jerseys or on the court if you don't really want to get handicapped or handcuffed into having to do it next year, if no matter what happens, because say, for example, if Trump does win the election, then people will assume, okay, well, next year is going to be another year or next, another four years of protesting and all this kind of stuff, because things might make better under another Trump regime. They don't want to have, you know, be handcuffed to saying we have to do it no matter what, or we'll look crazy. Like we, we bent the knee or back down from Trump because we decided to change. He's saying up front, like, no, well, you know, we did it this year. You know, I think we got good feedback or we did a lot of good with it. 
But like he was saying, it may get kind of, you know, a little bit old doing the same way. Let's switch it up. We're not beholden to doing it just one way. So we can think about it, be more dynamic and do different things in the future if we have to. And that's why I think he's kind of being a forefront of saying, like, yes, we are looking to change that for next year because we don't want to be kind of tied down to doing one thing. Yeah, I wonder the, – the, I, I question the original reporting, not, not the reporter because I don't know that person, uh, but the report – to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you when you think of reports. You got to understand where they're coming from, where they could be coming from, and who the report benefits. To have that kind of knowledge of what Adam Silver is thinking, you have to be inside the NBA. You have to be somewhere within that office. And I don't see how it behooves them to to leak a thought of Adam Silver's like that, unless they're in some kind of power struggle over wanting to get you know the kind of the Black Lives messaging out of the NBA. So unless there's someone in the league who is so vehemently opposed to that kind of messaging, I don't see how this actually gets out. Um, maybe this was, they caught Adam Silver on a, on a rough day and he was just kind of venting and then that kind of got out. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where this goes, but it doesn't feel like something that Adam Silver would consider per se, because the NBA has always, even before this, the NBA has leaned into its black viewership. This is not a, a, a league like under David Stern that is, kowtowed very much to its white audience anymore it's very the, the it's very black the the experience of viewing experience tnt i mean espn isn't quite that way but overall the nba viewing experience is, is, is very black that's just the way it is um they they lean into that they lean into the hip-hop roots they lean into all, all those kind of things um so to, for adam silver to kind of alienate that portion of the fan base after they do so much work to include them um, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So I, I tend to wonder where this report comes from in, in the first place, especially as y'all said, the numbers are down across the board. Adam Silver had to expect this. They literally were playing games at 12 o'clock in the afternoon to start their season. So they knew coming in that this was really just to get the season done, to not lose the, the, the revenue that comes from having a playoff having the playoffs on TV to not lose that revenue stream. They knew that the whole, the ratings weren't going to be what they wanted, especially going up against the NFL, which the NBA has not ever wanted to do. They start having Christmas games pretty much when the NFL season is over for a reason. They don't want to challenge the NFL. No one does because the NFL is king. Even with their ratings down, their ratings are still the best ratings of anyone on television. That's just how the NFL gets down. Uh, we've talked about it before. The NFL is king, and they're, they're going to continue to be king pretty much no matter what. So the NBA doesn't want to challenge that. Add on top of that, NHL going on, MLB going on, all the other stuff. Like, it doesn't make sense for Adam Silver to be so concerned about this, uh, especially when you consider how new technology the NBA is to begin with, because there's got to be other ways to measure viewership besides who's watching a TV that the NBA probably is on top of. And we didn't hear them complain about that at all. Um, so this, the quote from Adam Silver, or the thoughts from Adam Silver, I don't want to go as far as say they don't exist, but they don't really make sense within the context of what Adam Silver is using, usually thinking about, what he's projecting onto the media, and, and what he'll let get out to the public because you know this is still a, a PR thing, and Adam Silver knows how to how to do that. So that's why I wonder how this escaped the league office, and when what it, may, it makes me wonder either someone has an agenda who's reporting on it or someone has an agenda within the league office, and that's a problem. If someone is leaking stuff from the league office and they're on the same page, that is also a problem. But that also kind of gets me into uh, what I wanted to ask you all about next, which is 
concerning getting the messaging of Black Lives Matter off the court or out of the forefront of the NBA, does do they really does the league office really have the power? I mean, they have the power to do it. Is it does it behoove them if the players come to them during the offseason and they say, hey, we want to continue this? Would they really try to stop that? Is that something that they would be down to do? Because that seems like a battle that they don't want to have and they don't really need to have. And it, there's no evidence to show that it's something that is worth them to tell their players no if they want to press forward with continuing to spotlight these issues next season. I think it depends on what the players want to do themselves. So if the players like always oh, want to be able to use the wear or, you know, warm up shirts, possibly kneel. Um, you know, wear wristbands or whatever you want to do, then that's fine because that's kind of them doing their own thing. Um, it doesn't really mean the league has to do where stuff is on the jerseys or stuff is on the court. That's more of a league decision to change that type of stuff. But if players want to do their own thing, then I don't see why they would kind of push back too much. It's like, okay, well, you know, not everybody's going to be doing something, so it's going to be a, a certain amount of them that, that are going to kind of take a forefront on that. But that way, lots of kind of the league to try to get back to, I guess, their normalcy while still also having the eye of saying, okay, stuff is still going on and a lot of players to express themselves. Similarly, kind of how the WNBA does. It's, it's not where every team has to do something or the league has to do something every time uh, in terms of changing the courts or changing the courts or uh, doing advertisement. But if the players themselves want to go ahead and do something, you know, start their own movements and such uh, with the t-shirts, you know, with whatever they want to do during the game, after the game, then let them do that and let them grow on that. And then if, if need be, the league can maybe join in or do different things kind of based on what the, what the players decide. Give them some more, you know, uh, autonomy to do different things and then see where it goes. Kind of support your players in that way, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see a situation where there's some negotiation in regards to um, a, sort of a, a middle ground between going at what most people think are pretty hard uh, for the players, they, they kind of went pretty hard in the bubble here as far as like, you know, like the, the, the well, people were calling a boycott, but the walking out uh, with the Bucks and, and some other things. I, I think there's going to be a situation where the league is going to want to prevent that extreme from happening. But yet at the same time, they don't want to be viewed as completely walking away from these issues as to look like it was just sort of like a thing they capitulated to the players, you know, oh, yeah, sure. We'll give you this because it's a bubble season. And uh, I think there's going to be a middle ground there. I think they're going to, they're going to probably be forced to look at this from a standpoint of, okay, players are going to want to probably have, you know, a lot more uh, players are probably going to want to have a lot more freedom as far as like, for instance, the voting thing, the players are going to want to have a lot more freedom as far as like, Hey, can we, can this be a voting location? The, this, the, the stadium, uh, can we, um, you know, from a charity standpoint, from a standpoint of the get out the vote, things like that, are we going to be able to do those things and not have pushback from owners or at least be protect, protected from any sort of pushback from owners? Um, or are we going to constantly be a, well, advertisers won't like it if every time we go to commercial, we hear something about players saying go out and vote or players talk, you know, and, and they're also going to be really, really scared about, okay, when the next police involved shooting happens, or when the next uh, other sort of, you know, racial or, or um, social event occurs, uh, and there's an uprising of any type, are they, they're, they're sitting around and are they going to be afraid that there's going to be something that's going to happen, you know, especially if it's in an NBA city or near an NBA city, there's going to be fear of like, okay, great. Are we going to be dealing with this every single time? So they're going to have that. They're going to have 
their their work cut out for them because they are going to have to negotiate this with the players and say, look, we're not going to punish you. We're not going to come after you. We're not going to try to slow you down or, or block you from doing things. But they're also going to want some sort of concessions from the players in regards to just how far that can go. And they're going to have to find a middle ground of, okay, because let's be honest, this is about money, Uh, you know, but also I really think, and this is the part that concerns me a little bit. I feel like in some cases they're jumping the gun because we really need to see what this looks like when we get back to a point where there are regular games in each team's home court and there's fans coming back and things as far as like commercials and stuff like that are a little bit more normal. The games are at the normal time of the evening that they typically are at and not smack in the middle of somebody's work day. We really need to see how everything will look at that point, in my opinion, before we start saying things like, well, we have to change everything. We have to negotiate these things. And you don't know because everything is this, this fear of social issues affecting ratings is all coming from a standpoint of where nothing is normal right now. Nothing. You're not even playing in the teams aren't even playing on their home courts. So how about we let fans have a little bit more to do with the decision making by waiting to see what it looks like and how they react to it. Now, obviously, if you've got teams that don't have, you know, they say you can have a certain number of fans come back to the stadiums and they still have trouble getting that number of fans to come back. Okay, if you start seeing things like that, not that you should completely say, okay, we got to stop all this stuff, but you at least need to start making decisions when you get to that point. Because that's the point where we'll know maybe a little bit more about how much all of these things are affecting the NBA and its popularity and its viewership and all those things. So, yeah. oh, I was going to say, so I, I think I think there's two, two ways you could approach this. One is to empower players. One is to have the ownership take the reins. I think purely from a business standpoint and a cynical standpoint, <laughs> The ownership needs to lead on this, and they need to be the ones that ultimately are the, the deciding factor in a lot of these things. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, ignore the players. I'm saying the players need to be part of that process. But I think from a business standpoint, the ownership should set standards, reasonable standards, but standards. They should come out and just have a frank discussion and be like, look, we understand. We've had these conversations. We're concerned about walkouts. We're concerned about protests that will hurt our business but we want to help you at the same time. So here's what, here's what our guidelines are. What do you think about this stuff? Like, all right, you know, we're going to have BLM painted on the courts. That's a possible thing. It's, it's to placate, you know, and to help out. It may not be the most meaningful thing, but it's stuff that they can do to show support and basically not bow down to advertisers and be like, no, we, we can't afford this controversy. The flip side of this is to empower the players. And I don't think that's the proper way to go. To me, when you empower the players a little too much, you kind of drift into the ABA days type, the the semi-pro, you know, that's comedy, obviously, but the semi-pro type thing where at times LeBron kind of bleeds over into that, that larger than life where he, he's like, hey, give me the mic, let me talk to the audience real quick. I don't think we want to go that route. I don't think you want players making public addresses and stuff like that in the game sphere. But that's cynical. I, I mean, I'm just trying to boil it down to the pure business sense. I think you need to have standards. You need to have clear-cut guidelines and you need the players association to agree to those standards. I agree with Daniel. I think that you can let the players do small things to protest and to, to accentuate their personal beliefs. But at the same time, I, you know, we've kind of talked about this with dress code. 
I do think that the ownership has the, uh, uh, the authority to, within reason, establish a clear cut, this is how we're going to do business. So I, I, I think there's a middle ground there. I, I personally, I'm, as long as the owners aren't being crazy with it, it's a business. I think it's fair for them to set standards. I don't expect them to be altruistic, but I do think that in some cases, you know, altruism goes a long way for just good faith. And, and ultimately, like, like Terrell was kind of alluding to, we don't know how much damage ratings have hit because of the protests. Personally, I don't think it's much, but we don't know. And that's a fair thing for advertisers to be concerned of. But at the same time, if I'm the NBA, look, we're the NBA. We are the edgy. We are the upfront of the major organizations. We are the ones that are going to get you youth viewership. We are the ones that are going to get you all this. You need to play ball with us. And I think that's the leverage that they need to spend on this. Um, I had two things I was going to bring up, but one is, is on the topic of this. So I, I kind of wanted to hear what y'all thought about it. What do you do from the NBA standpoint when the president of the United States is attacking your superstar, LeBron James? Who, as an NBA, do you side with LeBron and double down saying, look, we are the NBA. LeBron is allowed to do what he wants to do. Fuck the president. <laughs> Obviously, you know, not in that, that certain terms like that. Or do you continue to sit on the side and let the president take shots at the face of the NBA? I, I think the NBA needs to address it, like as an organization. I don't think the NBA should just leave LeBron on an island. Honestly, I think they're kind of trying to hedge a bit right now in terms of how they're handling LeBron and also in terms of how they're handling the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, because, again, depending on how things turn out with these elections, if, say, for example, Trump wins and then they double down on, you know, trying to say that, oh, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization or whatever, then they, then they uh, I guess people will sway more to that side. And they might not want to be caught on the side saying, OK, we're all for Black Lives Matter, we're all for supporting LeBron, who's talking against you know all the people, and then the president comes down to them for the next four years or something, which could potentially maybe hurt their ratings or something. Or on the flip side, say Trump loses, and then we actually do get some reforms going, and like the new thing in America is you know supporting Black people, changing police, and, and, and things of that nature. Then you don't want to be caught on the side of saying, oh, you know, we pulled out too soon from the Black Lives Matter movement, saying like, oh, we're not going to do it anymore. It hurt our ratings. And also, you know, we kind of just left LeBron out there to, we, we uh, actually condoned, you know, LeBron talking about whatever. So now we look like we're crazy. But then they're trying to be right there in the middle of not being too much of being, you know, attacking directly at Trump or say, no, for sure, you know, we support Black Lives Matter. We're going to have it no matter what. Until these changes happen, we're committed to having that on our courts, on our jerseys going forward. Because like I said, they're, they're businessmen. So uh, who's to say that I don't think every owner is of the same mindset, you know, in terms of they're for Black Lives Matter or they're against Trump. So again, they have to kind of hedge their bets on that because they are in different rooms outside of basketball in terms of their businesses and such that they have to navigate. So they don't want to be too far left, too far right, just to make sure they can kind of still, you know, appease both sides until they kind of see how things are playing out. So that's why I think, how they should handle it, they should definitely say, oh, you know, LeBron has freedom of speech. So, yeah, we can give him the right to say what he wants and support what he has to say because, you know, he's a player and he's one of our star players. That's, I think, what they should say. What they will do, I think, is kind of just strive to take in the middle a little bit saying, you know, if someone asks directly at him, so what we think about, you know, the president attacking LeBron James, like, oh, well, he has freedom of speech. He shouldn't be, you know, trying to silence him or whatever and kind of leave it at that. I don't think they're going to go too far at Trump or too far away from it just to kind of stay in that safe zone area. Yeah, I understand playing the middle ground in terms of uh, a battle between Trump and LeBron because LeBron's a man with a PR behind him and 
and resources. He can fight his own battles. I do think that if the NBA is trying to play the middle ground on Black Lives Matter, that could end up being a pretty poor look for them. I already, you can already get the sense that their players don't feel like they're doing enough. And that is with everything that they did during the bubble. They still almost literally walked out of the playoffs. And, and it, they were a hairs away from, from their playoffs getting canceled. So trying to walk that back before even really having a discussion with your players on what's going on um, seems to be a bad decision. From my from my perspective, anyway, I, I I don't understand why they're so trying to get so far ahead of this. If that's exact, if that's what they're trying to do, it seems like it was a bit early and it's a bit panic laden. I don't know if they're using the ratings as an excuse. If if this is what they're actually trying to get accomplished, I don't know if they're trying to disguise it as the ratings because the NFL, frankly, um, in terms of what they did on the court on the field, and frankly, the MLB too. They've done just as much as everybody else, and the MLB, the NFL ratings are fine. They are not what they are, but no one's blaming Black Lives Matter for that, and they have just as much messaging surrounding Black people as as the NBA does at, at this point. So I, I don't understand the logic of trying to blame the ratings and trying to say that if these conversations are happening during our sporting events, people will turn off the television because 21 million people watch Sunday Night Football. So that's not true. It's not. Just because they're not watching the NBA – doesn't mean that they're not watching sports that they've have always watched, even if that messaging is attached. So, I mean, then does it come down to what we're the NBA? So we can't do the same things that the NFL does. I I mean, I don't think the NBA would ever be willing to see that ground. Um, So, you know, it's, it's weird uh, what's happening right now. If the NBA is kind of seeding some of their ground as the social justice league, that's where they make their bones. And so to seed some of that ground, even, you know, even privately, is a weird move, especially when they work so hard to, like I said earlier, market themselves towards that base. You know, the dude who's turning off the NBA right now, I, I wrote it down. I, I liken him to, you know, college basketball so much more pure than NBA basketball. That guy's probably not watching your sport <laughs> consistently anyway. So why are you trying to come after that guy and get and get that guy back on your side? He never was on your side. He's been looking for a reason to criticize the NBA. He takes every opportunity to criticize the NBA and its players whenever he can. He's not a real fan and he's never coming back. And if he does, he's casual. He's just as he's as casual as casual can be. And yeah, you do need some of those casual fans to get those numbers where you want them to be, but that's not the NBA's base. And the NBA is generally more interested in marketing towards its base than trying to do what the NFL does, which is market more towards everybody. They want to be the the everybody elite. The NBA is not as focused on that. Now I'm now I'm not saying the NBA. You think you think you think, you, you think that's true, D? That they're not trying. It seems like they've been trying not to increase their market size for quite a few years now, just trying to reach well, out and get to quite a few more demographics out there. You're talking about the NBA? Mm-hmm. I don't think I, – I don't want to make it seem like the NBA isn't a business and they're not trying to do business things because that's not what I mean. What I mean is the NFL is – they make a concerted effort to go after everybody at every time. The NBA doesn't do that. Now, do they want to increase their market shares and their – do they try to – do they try to do what you just said? Yeah, of course. But when it comes down to, like, what they're willing to sac- – the, the NFL is willing to sacrifice – a little bit of morality publicly to go after everyone in which the NBA has really not been as reticent to do that, especially since Adam Silver took over. So well, this would be States. a, I feel, excuse me? I feel that way here in the States, but the NBA is also a global game where the True. NFL really isn't. So the NFL have the luxury 
of when they say trying to market to everybody. The NFL has the luxury of being able to look at a region of the country and saying, oh, well, we don't want to alienate this region of the country, you know, particularly the region that most likely is going to favor Donald Trump. So they're going to look at that region of the country, the South, for the most part, um, and they're going to say, OK, we need to make sure we don't alienate, alienate this portion or we at least need to have something a little bit of something for everybody, which is why you don't see as much with the NFL when it comes to these social issues. Yes, players are doing things, but at the same time, they you can tell that they have a sort of a lid on it to an extent. The NBA, being that it's more of a global game and then also looking at our standing in the world. Uh, at least over the last four years or so. Um, when I look at it like that, I understand where the NBA is coming from because here in the, in the States, they realize who their main audience is, their base audience, as Derek was saying. They, they recognize who that base is and they're rolling with that and they understand, but they also understand that there are players from all over the world that they're also going to see some viewership in that in those terms. And so that's why it actually is still a little bit confusing to me that Silver, if it's correct, the reporting is correct on this story, that he's so horribly concerned about this as being the reason for the um, uh, for the ratings, supposed ratings drop or ratings issues, because of the fact that this has become such a global game over the last probably 20 years or so. Um, so that, that's what I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't, I just don't, I think it's a panic move. I think it's an early sort of like, Oh man, this does look bad, but it's like, and, and I think Derek, you were saying like, well, we don't want to get into the what about of, well, look at all these other leagues. You don't want to play that game of the other leagues are having issues too, but you almost have to go that route because of the fact that people are, that apparently there are people there in NBA headquarters that are panicking over the weirdest, most unorthodox out, out of the ordinary situation that you, you probably could have. I mean, they literally stopped mid season when no other league really did. They stopped mid-season for like I don't know how many weeks, and then started up again. <laughs> like, dude, do you like how many people tuned out? You know, and then on top of that, you've got games at like my lunchtime. Like, I'm sorry, but if I come downstairs working from home and I go to get a grab a sandwich, and then I look at, hey, it's a it's an NBA game on. Like, what? Like, come on, bro. <laughs> so an like, NBA game, yeah, an NBA game in just, an empty gym. Yeah. So as a like, casual fan, you're right, like, oh, it's a preseason? Right. Yeah. And you keep yeah, it I, moving, man. It looked like the combine or something. I want to spotlight something that uh, Daniel said last week, which is actually very true and actually is pertinent to this discussion, where he said the NFL has been dead set on not reminding you that COVID exists, not reminding you that things are changing that things are different. They want you to have this feel. And I think that while it doesn't serve them when talking about COVID and, and keeping their players safe, it does serve them when putting a product out to, to be entertained. When you turn on an NBA game this year, you know that things are different. You feel it. You see it. It, it reminds you of what's going on. The NBA this year has not been an escape. It's not escapism. It, it, it's, it turns into that a little bit as the game goes on. But for the most part, the NBA has been in your face that, hey, this stuff is still happening. And that was very intentional by them. And as Daniel pointed out, the NFL has done everything to escape that. And so it, 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 that's why I say it's a bit early to kind of have this discussion in terms of let's see what happens when the NBA, even if they keep the Black Lives Matter messaging, they can still do a lot more to get back to quote unquote normal times and, and have that 
um, have that experience feel a little more like the the normal NBA as opposed to this experience, which they went out of their way to make not like the normal NBA. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it shouldn't be lost. I know when we compare the NBA to the NFL, the NBA is obviously much more pro- progressive in comparison. But it shouldn't be lost, though, that they aren't content with being number two to the NFL. They actually do have aspirations of one day right. either matching or overtaking the NFL. Right. Um, so in, in, in that sense, you can kind of see why they don't want to be typecasted as, you know, that's just the liberal sport or the extremist sport or whatever. Because at some point, if, if, if the way the country is going right now stays the same for the next say, decade or whatever, where everyone's so kind of just, you know, split the two sides, then if it becomes to where people can just label the NBA as, just, you know, leftist or extremist or whatever, then they actually may lose that chunk of a fan base or may not be able to get into that market because people just assume like, oh, this is just liberal media that whoever watches this NBA or whatever. But before uh, COVID happened or anything like this, they were actually gaining some ground on the NFL in terms of market power, in terms of viewership. Um, so I think for the powers that be, Adam Silver included, the ownership, they have their eyes set on one day becoming the premier sport in America. And they're still trying to, m- to make inroads into that. And to that extent, I think that's the reason why they kind of are being a little bit, you know, nervous about, okay, well, you know, we did this because we, of course, want to support our players. But in the same sense, though, did we kind of set ourselves back from what we're trying to get to ultimately, which is kind of being the top sport in America? Because, you know, people that say it can't be done, you know, this is the NFL, they're going to be keen for whatever, the reign is eternal. But I think the NBA actually does believe that they can overtake them in time because they have, you know, it's a different game. It's more, it's quicker. They have more games. They have players from other countries and such. Then they're trying to actually overtake the NFL. So in that sense, they're kind of trying to, to model a little bit after what the NFL is doing in terms of business in terms of how they're moving around to not be too much to one side. That way they can, they can hopefully make inroads and actually keep, continue to build their brand and their market strength as well. That's why I think that Adam Silver said those things, even if, if it was true that he was had those concerns about being connected to Black Lives Matter, and that's probably because they have long-term goals more than just what's happening in the next four or five years, where they want to get to, and they don't want to be derailed or kind of uh, hindered uh, by being attached to Black Lives Matter if you know if it doesn't come to fruition in that way. Yeah. So I think um, a couple, like, there's a couple things I wanted to, to address on that. One to tie into the ratings thing. Um, I think ultimately it's a simple, we're, we're making it more complicated. I mean, obviously we're doing it for a reason, but we're making it more complicated than it needs to be. The truth is, even though Miami is Miami, it's a small market team, all things considered. Like this is not a team with superstar potential. There's no draw on this. Their glory days are behind them in terms of the public perception when LeBron left, when, when Wade and Bosch left. So from a, a, a NBA casual fan perspective, Miami has no luster. There's nothing there. This is a guaranteed championship for LeBron James. Obviously, there's so much more to it than that, but that's that's just the bottom line. This is a, a boring series that has become interesting through Jimmy Butler's heroics and, and other factors. Um, I think the obvious, you know, to joke about it, the obvious thing here is it's easy to protest this as an NBA fan, quote unquote, like the, like what Derek was saying, where you don't need to seek after these guys who are quitting. These aren't lifelong fans. Mm-hmm. It's easy to protest when Boston's not in the finals. Because that's the base where it's like, oh, Boston fans need to have a decision now. No, they have no decision to make. They're already gone. Utah fans are already gone. Like, it's easy to protest the finals when all the quote-unquote racist fan bases are out of the thing. So it's it, – I don't want to bog down in any of that. Uh, I think it just ties down to it's a, a small market team. Ultimately, it's just kind of what it boils down to. 
Now, um, for me to to kind of hijack it for a second, I, I really think the marketing problem is real. Um, I can really only speak to my personal, you, you know, the way this bubble has worked for me. But like Terrell said, the the, the week weekday afternoon games nightmarish for me. Like I didn't catch half for the first series, like half the first series is all the bubble games. I missed almost all the bubble games, like building up to it because I couldn't watch them live. And at the end of the day, like it's just not the same watching a replay. I hated it. I hated every minute of it. You, I missed out on the great Phoenix Suns run. I missed out on watching Dame pop off. Every, like these kind of things I missed. And, and I'm a big fan of the NBA. So how do you expect a casual fan to know that this stuff is going on? It, it, that's just the essence of this bubble could have been a tournament. And it is a tournament. But the essence of the bubble could have been a, a showcase. This is the highest level of basketball, pure basketball, nothing but basketball. Market it and get it out to the people so they come and watch it. And I think the NBA did fail on that. I don't think that, that the NBA succeeded on this because I don't know game times as a casual fan. I've watched maybe two games online with friends. Typically speaking, the NBA, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it with friends or I'll go to a sports place and I'll watch it with, with them. That's not what happens in quarantine times. People aren't hanging out. They're not watching games together. So for, for me as a viewer, my experience for sports and my experience for just anything has shifted to the digital sector. Now I'm sitting here in front of this computer with a headset on talking to my buddies on the chat while I'm watching games. The NBA doesn't – it's not conducive for that. There's TV regulations. It's just not exciting in the same way. You're sitting there. You have to wait for commercial breaks. If you're watching an authentic stream, you're sitting there with five minutes of dead air. You're just sitting there. You're watching a saying that says, we'll be right back if you're watching TNT overtime. These are all things that are horrible to the engagement as me as a, as a personal fan. And the reason I said I want to hijack this for a minute is because the foil to this is something that I've been personally excited for, and it's here. It's that video game League of Legends, and it's the World Championships. And oh, it is no, the greatest no, no, no. I want to tie. I want to say one thing about it, though. Uh, this, this, the rails. This, this is the thing I want to mention. I still got another topic, man. Come no, on, but I want to mention. This all the time. <laughs> See, this is why, though. This is why you you're doing the same shit the NBA is doing right now. You tune into the NBA. You got this old man shit going on. I'm sitting here watching fucking JVG and 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 that go off, talking about the same shit I've heard them talk about for the past thirty years. And it's the same NBA cast that it's been. The NBA needs to start leading in this. These games that I'm watching right now for this tournament, they're happening in fucking Shanghai. They're happening mm. at 3 in the morning all the way to 8 in the morning. And I can tell you a couple of these mornings, I've been excited to wake up at 3 in the morning to catch some of these games before going to work. The NBA doesn't do that for me anymore. But the NBA doesn't have this excitement. It doesn't have this tournament atmosphere. It doesn't have everybody popping off and watching it together in group chats. It doesn't have the level of talent from a casting standpoint that these things have. You, you can watch these games, and, and there's, there's moments. Like, you, you think of Mike Breen, you hear bang, and that's a classic thing. But mm. you can think of these legendary calls. Yeah. There hasn't been that in this tournament. This tournament hasn't given us legendary moments except for games, game winners, and stuff like that. This is the NBA's failing. The players are playing. The players are balling out. The NBA itself is just, just there. What the fuck is the fans doing, you know, sitting there digitally a courtside? Like, I, I understand the concept for it, but that's a lack, that's a disconnect. It's a disconnect between what people actually want and what they think is cool and hip. And that's a, that's a failing for me. Like, the NBA has absolutely failed in the digital sector. I, 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 think you're, I think you're overstating your point a bit from the standpoint of you're saying the NBA failed to do this tournament. Correct. I wouldn't call it a failing when they're doing it the way that they wanted to do it. You put a game, like I said earlier, you put a game on at 12 p.m., you don't expect you to come home and watch that game. You're just trying to get the games done. 
I, I think a lot of the problems you have are very specific to the to the COVID bubble situation, and a lot yeah, of these are. will be will be fixed once they are out of the COVID bubble situation. Oh, I'm not condemning the NBA for the future. I'm saying that this is the NBA. But I'm saying that from push. a marketing standpoint, they never tried to market it because they had already given up. And so, so I, I be, because it because whether you, because whether you want to admit it or not, they were never going to get the audience share via TV that they wanted to. So adding additional resources into marketing something that isn't going to work anyway, because people aren't still going to know you're playing games in October. No one's going to know when your stuff is, whether you market it or not. And where are you going to market it at? You're going to market it online. You're going to market it digitally. There's, there's only so much space for this kind of stuff to, to, to happen. And I, I just don't see what the NBA would have done to make you realize when these games are on. And, and these games are on when you were at work. I was talking to you while some of these games were on. You weren't watching these games whether they told you what time they were at or not. Now, when the, Well, but I'm talking about the playoffs and when I'm addressing that. Even the, the, even the playoffs have been staggered on a schedule that isn't conducive for the normal public to watch them consistently. And So, they, so again, they, my question is why, though? Why, why tank on purpose? It's a means to an end because they have other stuff in play. It's not just about getting people to watch, but also filling those contracts for TV. They have to get the games played so they can make sure they get that TV money, and that's still in place for next year. So, so what, what, what we see and what they're trying to work on are two different things. Like We see, like, okay, this is not like a great presentation. This is kind of bad quality of what we're used to. What they're saying is, hey, as long as you get a full season played, we can crown us as a champion, and then go into next year, go into free agency, go into the draft and then get back to normal because we already have a champion. We have a defending champ. We can market that and start the new year going forward. And I, and I get so all that. But I'm saying yeah, go ahead. You, this is – but all this is doing is furthering my displeasure with it because it's showing that they are literally going through the motions. They're, they are making no innovation here. That is my problem here. This was a chance to be innovative on this, and all they're doing is fulfilling contracts. I think the NBA needs to break away from this old-timey – TV system that they got going. It serves them well when it's a regular year, but this year is not a regular year. What do you mean old-timey TV Tra- stuff? Like, like, tra- like the traditional format right now with digital with digital viewership. You know, a typical NBA ca- like TV pro- broadcast, if you're watching it with friends and stuff like that, there's commercial breaks, you see the commercials, you maybe watch them together, that kind of stuff, you hang out and stuff like that. The digital sector doesn't work that way. The digital sector has restrictions on commercials that can be viewed, depending on what you're viewing it on, other stuff like that. You have to navigate to the website, you have to navigate to this, you've got to have people either, if you're not having a, a streaming stick of some kind, streaming it to a TV, mm-hmm. you have to have everybody gather around a computer, that kind of stuff. I'm speaking from me as a part of this digital sector. This has been a, well, a terrible NBA season for, for me. Well, what, 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 what's the demographic for that sector, though, that youth, you're a part youth. of? Absolutely. I would, well, I mean, saying. not me personally, but I'm but, saying youth. But, but a, large, a large base for the NBA for right now is not youth. It is older Americans, middle-aged Americans, or just viewers in general. So that's their main base is, are those demographics, not the youth as of right now. So they might be doing some things to kind of market a little bit to the youth. But you always got to go to your main marketing base is. And right now, that's going to be the older people, older demographics. And you have to market to them first because they're used to watching stuff on TV, having that traditional broadcast, having that nostalgia from what they've seen before. Oh, yeah. So you give them some of that. And then slowly, you transition over to more of, like you said, for the younger people want right now, which is less commercials and more stuff streaming and such. But you can't do it just all at once because then you'll lose your base, which is your main people that are supporting your league right now. It has to be a, a gradual change. And you know what? I, I think we're just—I think we're just talking about two different things. Because ultimately, I agree they need to keep doing that. But I'm saying there's just been an utter lack of innovation on the other side. And I personally think that if the NBA's purpose is growth, 
and the NBA's purpose is to show inclusion from a business standpoint, it makes zero sense. NBA ownership has invested in these other digital sectors. NBA leadership has invested in the esports sector specifically. Why is there not a bridge here? How is it three years into these partnerships now and the NBA still can't figure this out? That's the stuff that's disappointing me. So, I, yeah, I agree. I don't want the broadcast to leave. I'm not saying they've got to overhaul everything like that, but there needs to be a companion piece. There needs to be this excitement level for the casual fan, the casual 20-year-old fan that's grown up on the video game age that doesn't have this with this disconnect right now. Like, I, I think it's just a failure. That's just... That's, but is it, but, but is, it, is it worth it in the short term to invest in it right now, though? Is it worth it if financially think, for them to do if it? If you think they're the future, yes. If you don't care, then I guess not. And I guess, like but you're the, saying, they don't care. They're following the dollars. No, 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 no. no but, but you're saying to, to change that immediately right now and change it for the new up-and-coming fans, but why change it so drastically in the short term when you can gradually change towards that? I'm saying do both. Continue like what the NBA did right now, which is for their current fan base or whatever. But now is the time to innovate. Now is the time to try stuff. And if the ratings tank, then you can say it was because of COVID. Right. Do you, you think can, you, that have, they, you have outs? So, Austin, do you think that they just didn't incorporate some of these options i mean because i know we saw like the people being able to pay money to have their face on the little yeah and to me that to me that reeked of gimmick the first time i saw it but that's sure right but like but i mean like so could it have been even if it was just some 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 little things that they incorporated to get the fans more involved the younger fans like you talked about um do you feel like they just i mean is it that they just didn't flat out even try i mean because i could totally see what you're talking about which is hey we've got some innovative things that we could probably make and take a shot at since right now we're kind of playing with house money because Really, other than these politicians that have been saying this nonsense, realistically, a real fan is probably going to be like, yeah, I didn't expect everybody and their mom to be watching these games to begin with, but diehards are going to watch it. So to me, I'm like, I get it. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, which is, hey, let's give some of these new things a shot and and get what fans are paying attention involved because if this turns out to be something that's like, oh, this is cool, like this, uh, then when things come back to normal, all of a sudden you've got these things in the bag. Like, Hey, you know what? This worked while we were in the bubble and it wasn't the bubble that made it work. It was just something that we wanted to try and we tried it. So now we can move on. So I, I get where you're coming from, from that standpoint, which is like, Hey, we, this is a point where we can try some things might as well. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, it, I think it, yeah. to keep it on the, 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 something y'all can relate to side of it. The radical thing that they could have done was give the fans what they've been asking for, for a long time, especially in the bubble, the uncensored cast. Get oh. mic uh, like get the mic on the floor. Get a hot mic. Warn viewers. Look, this is possibly M-rated content. It could be an, a side thing, but mm. people have been calling for that for a long time. An unfiltered arena cast. Now the NBA has problems with that. I understand the NBA's got problems with players saying things, calling people bitch ass white boys, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, <laughs> if you're the NBA, you need to lean into this kind of stuff. But on the flip side of it, and like something I kind of alluded way to. way worse stuff is said yeah, on the court no, than big-ass white boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but HBO hard knocks. The NFL is not shined from it. I mean, Yo. this is what I'm saying. The NBA is cowardly, yeah, cowardice I, in this situation. I, I would say there's a big difference between the NFL it's, it's, giving you edited, scripted things. And I agree with that. And, you get, and getting an unfiltered 
uh, unedited yes. view of the court. That is that is okay. a lot different. And I agree with that. I'm I'm just saying these are the ideas and the conversations, and the NBA hasn't tried this once. But that's just one thing. I'm just trying to keep it in the realm of something that y'all are, are relating to. The other realm of this, what I was trying to allude to earlier when I was talking about the old timey broadcast, which I'm more joking about like that. But when is the last time you've seen a fresh faced in a commentator booth? Like other than when they tried the the players only and all that kind of shit, there is young twenty something talents that are killing it in the digital sector now. Not talking about your mega stars like your 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 YouTube stars like your ninjas and whatever that kind of stuff, but these are charismatic superstar voice talents. The NBA, the NFL, none of them are oh. reaching out to these people right now. This, when I'm watching my, my tournament that I'm talking about, when I'm talking about the League of Legends saying, I'm watching a game here, and I'm watching a live game, and I'm watching a guy that's jacked, full of energy, screaming as the crescendo of the game is happening, just <laughs> monumental lines that stick with the history of the sport. That's the kind of stuff that the NBA could be flexing right now in the digital sector. They could be reaching out and starting a new, this is our internet cast. Right. This is the NBA, blah, blah, blah. Instead of watching NBA TV where it's really boring as shit. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this is stuff that they could have innovated on. When I, when I complain about the marketing, I mean that they're just not trying to innovate in this sector, which I think is a sector that, that's very personal to me, obviously. Mm. So I'm just saying. No, but I, that's a good look, though. I think, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm taking what Austin is saying from a standpoint of um, accenting things that you already have and adding a little bit, adding a little something new, especially when you consider the NBA players themselves and how, and how um, involved they are with, with 2k and all these, you know, other things. And then on top of that, you have like, cause what, didn't they have like a league or something this year? And this is the old guy in me speaking, but I could swear yeah, there was, was like a bad. league in each bad. team. I mean, but, but my point yeah. is, is like, we know the players are involved in their playing these games. And if you can have a partnership there, where you kind of have, you know, and then you include some of these personalities that are involved in these leagues. I could totally see that being a thing, man. I mean, like I said, I I'm the old guy here, so I don't know. No, and I, and, and I, I'll just I'll, I want to get out of it because I know that, that I'm, I'm weighing down on it. And I just want to get out of it right now. But when I I can't tell you how frustrating it is. Getting out of it is too late. You hijacked the podcast. I can't tell you how frustrating it was when I cited it. When I cited it, your reaction, Derek, specifically Derek, but all of you. I know, I did. <laughs> your reaction, Derek, is literally, literally the NBA's <laughs> biggest failure. You're the problem. My, my, my thing is, I gave you a whole fucking day to tell me what you wanted to talk about. You didn't have to. You could have just told me what you wanted to talk about. I no, what was it? Well, see, that but wasn't instead, what I wanted to talk about, though, until we got into the ratings thing. But I instead, yeah, let, yeah, yeah. yeah, let flow. It gave you organic, yeah. Derek. Wrong see, with that, Derek, man. Derek's you know, over here trying to. Boots on the fly. Yeah, Derek's <laughs> over here trying to say, all right, we're starting at noon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. because if I don't, you motherfuckers won't show up. Oh, we hit the we, we hit the we hit the seventeen minute mark. Time to transition. Seventeen minutes. <laughs> so if you want to know what Mark Cuban said, please check in on Thursday for a midweek's take where we will talk about Mark Cuban's uh, battle vis-a-vis -vis with uh, Ted Cruz. In the meantime, back to Austin's hijack topic. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a bit unfair. And we had criticism. Anarchy. We had criticisms at the time when they came out with their bracket. We didn't think it was innovative enough. We thought there was a chance to have a tournament, a round robin style uh, 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 players, uh, soccer like uh, yeah. pool play type thing that would have been a lot more fun, a lot more innovative. So it's not like we don't have criticism in the NBA. Oh, yeah. It's not like 
your criticisms aren't valid. What I'll say is it's a bit rough. It's a bit yeah. rough to criticize them in the middle of a pandemic when they weren't even sure if they were going to have this season. You know, they, they barely got this thing off the ground and barely got the players approval to do what they actually ended up doing. And even then they still added a little bit of innovation. It wasn't a lot. I'm not going to sit here and act like they reinvented the wheel because they had digital fans in the, in the audience. No, but, yeah, that's, yeah. That's but not. you know, wrestling hasn't been able to do it correctly. Right. So it's not like it was at nothing, nope. but I just think it's a bit unfair to task the NBA with innovating at the same time that they're also literally just trying to get a product out. We say that, I don't mean that in just the business sense of they just hung it up and were like, well, this is all we have. Might as well not put anything more into it. I say it in the aspect of, oh, this was very challenging from getting Black Lives Matter stuff going Mm -hmm. to making sure the players were staying happy to making sure the bubble stays the bubble. There's a lot of moving parts and infrastructure that they put in place on the fly. So to ask them to also take some, some of these other chances when their main focus is just getting the product out so they can finish the 2020 season, I think that's a bit harsh. But I do see – I'm not saying that your criticism in general in a general season where they could maybe spruce it up because the NF, the NBA season is a bit stale um, as constituted. There are definitely some things that, that they could do to innovate that you've already mentioned. I think that they are at least trying to trend in that way when they bring up things like, you know, an in-season kind of players tournament. I think that they do see – chances to innovate and they're trying to do it now could they be doing it faster i'm sure um could they be doing it better i'm sure the nba is not perfect by any means and they are they are they can be stale as daniel kind of mentioned they they still look to the nfl somewhat as big brother which in and of itself to me is a little bit of a problem when there's other sectors like the digital sector that they could be owning that the nfl has no intention of ever getting to right so i i take your point i just the timing of your point while the while trying to get a pandemic season going is the only thing that I take exception to. I don't know about I you know, Terrell seems very receptive to it. And Daniel's kinda on the fence to the kind of in the middle, I seem like. So, you know, I'll let y'all get back in on it and then eventually we'll get on to is this your king. But that was what I was talking yeah. about. No, I, I'm I'm kind of shitting on you. Like I'm obviously being hyper with a it. producer who is yeah. mad that you hijacked yeah. my show. But it came up because of the topic. But anyways, regardless of that, I, I think the foil here is that you're you're 100 correct. And I, I, I maybe I wasn't clear enough with it. The bubble was very successful. Like I think the bubble season is 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 something that's going to be remembered for a long time for the, the storylines that happened on top of everything else that happened. Like you you like I mentioned the Phoenix Suns, Dame, the walkout. Mm-hmm. The fact that Milwaukee ended up sucking this year. <laughs> like, like so many things, like these are stories that will last beyond this season. It was extremely successful from a sporting standpoint. My issue is strictly with the NBA's marketing because I think that there is a clear disconnect now with them trying to be the edgier, the progressive, all of this, and abandoning the digital sector and, and new media. Because the NFL's foil to this, they did this, I think it was a project they started three years ago, or maybe it was two years ago, I could be wrong on the date, but the NFL, when they tried to push Thursday Night Football, they streamed Thursday Night Football for free on Twitch, which is the streaming service. It is free. They wanted everybody to watch it. They want to give you a little taste. Obviously, the Thursday night game is never the highlight game or whatever, but that's not the point. It's free football. It's digital football. When you log on to this platform called Twitch, it's got the current hot views, and that's pulling viewership. It's like you see it there. You're like, oh, hey, football's on. Let me watch football real quick. This is the market that the NFL did no effort to tap into, and they successfully tapped into it. The NBA hasn't done that yet. The NBA has a long-term commitment to it. It's an 82-game season. You're not going to follow the entire season if you don't care about the entire season. 
you're not going to know the storyline. You're not going to know, oh, in games 30 through 35 right here, this player was hurt. Like, that's not what happens here. I mean, the, the military NFL, tried to use Twitch to recruit. Oh, they fucked up horribly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, if yeah. the military is trying to use it, you know, NBA got to look at <laughs> it at least like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, this is what I'm saying, though, when I'm talking about the marketing standpoint. Like, you, you need to realize – that you're, you're missing out on these potential viewers. And, and it frustrates me because I can see the potential for more. And, and I don't think the NBA even cares about it. That that's basically what I was getting to when I, when I went off on that tangent. But it kind of feels like we're comparing apples to oranges when we come to the Thursday night game for the NFL and then the NBA, mm-hmm. because again, the Thursday night game was more of like a newer thing. They created in terms of with, what day the game was played on. And a lot of times for their, you know, Sunday games and Monday night games, those are tied to contracts to win who can show those games and who can't show them. Because if they did not, they had the freedom to kind of, you know, shop it somewhere else for a little bit, see how it goes, and then, you know, just do something else with it. Uh, but for the NBA, a lot of these games are all pretty much tied to these contracts to be shown on certain TV stations or NBA TV or your local broadcast and such too. So I'm not sure how easily they can just say, okay, well, it, it can be shown on your local broadcast and also now on Twitch as well. I'm not sure they can just do it like this quickly and just change it that, oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, or yeah. they might have to wait a few years for the contest to work themselves out and then kind of have certain games they, they save for Twitch or they save only just for streaming online and not for TV consumption or for both. Because I doubt that a TV station like TNT or whatever will, will want to have a game streamed on both of them when it's like, okay, it's only supposed to be for us only, but now Twitch can have it as well. So that's why I think there's more of like a slow progression to it because a lot of stuff is locked in for quite a few years to where they can't really just up and just change stuff around. While with the NFL, they had the benefit of, okay, well, they're locked in for certain days of the week when games are shown. And when they made a brand new day that they had a game on, then they have more leeway to kind of be flexible with it to say, okay, now it's on NFL Network, now it's on Amazon. It was on Amazon a few times, now it's on Twitch and everything. I think that's why it kind of allowed them to kind of try some different things because they create a brand new product sort of that they can kind of then market around while the NBA is kind of still locked into those contracts. So I'm sure maybe they're looking into doing more stuff with it, but it gets kind of tricky in terms of where we're going to pull the game from to put it on Twitch. We're going to pull the game from to put it on Amazon and they have to decide that because it'd be fair to one, the team's home market and also to these larger TV contractors to give them most of their money anyways. And you're completely right with that. And I, 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 I'm wrong in that situation because you are right. There's contracts that are involved here, but that's what I'm saying. Like this whole thing reeks of being tied into these contracts, the old way of doing things. And I still think there is room for innovation there, such as yeah. and like I, I specifically cited NBA TV just because that's, I mean, I personally think it's boring, but you know, whatever, like the potential there is that you have, you go out, you find young talent, you find people who are passionate about this. You can't tell me nobody in LA is, is passionate about NBA and the Lakers and shit like that. You have them, start a, a rundown every night like this is the the nightcap this is hey here's the highlights for the day we're gonna have nba stars come in on zoom calls we're gonna have all this we're gonna have an actual interview in the digital sector instead of hosting it on channels like that obviously it's a commitment you got to do work you got to get to that point right now but i think that that potential of fan interaction is just not there i see you know I, he's been you know very hard on nba tv and i, I you know i <laughs> I'm not, like, NBA TV. No. I'm not like NBA TV because <laughs> I don't even have NBA TV. But when I actually hear about it, I do see fresh faces, 
such as, you know, they brought in those those Australian guys. I forget their names. Uh, they gave them their own show. They used to have a show, and they gave them the show on NBA TV. You see, like, a Roz Gold, she kind of comes up through that system. You see, like, a Sparrow Ditas, who's a commentator now, he comes up through that system. NBA TV is a, is a proving ground for unproven talent. Um, and so, like, I, I, I see where Austin's coming from. I, I also – it would be interesting to ask the NBA where they're at on it and see what they would say. Because I, I would wonder if they think they're as far as behind as Austin seems to think they are in terms of what they can what they can do or if they have some of these things in the pipelines. But, you know, it's just about getting the, the infrastructure in place to get it done. Because I, I do think, you know, NBA TV, they were – out in front on NBA TV, right? It used to be NBA.com. They turned it into NBA TV. Yeah. And then they immediately made it basically a proving ground for their young talent and for, uh, you know, even, quote, unquote, their young color commentary talent, quote, unquote. People who, you know, retired from the NBA and maybe they're not as good like a, even a Steve Smith uh, used to who, who got into NBA TV and slowly worked his way up through the system and now you see him on, on TNT. So it's like, you know, I, 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 I do see them using that kind of stuff maybe not to the effect that Austin wants it at this point, um, but they, they have tried things on NBA TV and, you know, some of the product is good. Now they, it does seem like they are retreating a bit into themselves. Like you see a show with Charles and Ernie. It's like, how much more Charles and Ernie do I, do I need in my life per se? But it's like, it does seem like they are a little bit receding into some of the, the tried and true stuff of like, oh, here's the TNT guys. Here's more TNT guys, you know, some of that kind of thing. But like, who knows how much ESPN caused that? ESPN could have just swallowed up all that market. Yeah. So, but yeah. even like a, even like a Lefko, like a you know Lefko does is fills in for Ernie. Uh, five years ago, that was Matt Weiner, who's the, who's now just in baseball, kind of toiling away. But now you have a dude who's basically from Beecher Report, who is hosting when Ernie Johnson isn't there. So they are kind of tapping into that stuff a little bit. Um, I think it's Ryan Lefko. I forget. He's a, he's a very energetic guy. I, you know, he's not my cup of tea, but I mean, he seems to have a pretty big internet fa- fan base. So yeah, it's neither here nor there. So, you know, you do see them trying to tap into some of that younger stuff um, using the Bleacher Report acquisition to their advantage and things of that nature. We'll, we'll see if they continue to try to rise. And so what were you going to say, Daniel? Oh, I think it actually may be another case to where they're kind of being hand, hand, uh, handcuffed because of their deals with these different uh, TV stations. So the most Commentators and that we hear are the ones from TNT that they provide or ESPN or something like that. So it's really up to those stations or those companies to decide who's going to be the people broadcasting. And that's what most people hear because most of us nationally broadcast games, not your local games and such, are the ones on NBA TV. So even if the NBA wanted to have like brand new younger people in there, it doesn't mean ESPN is going to hire them and put them on the air for us to hear. So that's why I think maybe that right now, based on what the contracts are, they can't really do too much in terms of innovate, innovation for, uh, you know, the announcers, the commentators, just because it's not really up to them for those nationally broadcast games. It's more on ESPN to change that or TNT to change that. And it kind of seems for ESPN and TNT, they're kind of more in love with, you know, finding former players and grooming them and putting them out there instead of actually like younger talent that hasn't really been in the league or anything too. So I think right. in that sense, that's a okay. big thing for advertisers as well. Advertisers don't want you to innovate because they want the no. viewership locked in so they know what the numbers are. So that's uh, that, that goes along with the networks. The networks are also hesitant to, to redo this stuff because, frankly, all broadcasts are kind of boring at this point, and they all need a little bit of innovation inside of the booth. But they don't want to do that because it doesn't sound like it's always sounding in advertisers. I mean, look at what happened with Monday Night Football. I mean, not that that was innovation, but they tried something slightly different. It blew up in their faces and they got relentlessly mocked 
for uh, a whole season, for what, two seasons actually, having to move Booger McFarlane around, Jason Witten leaving and stuff. That was a fiasco for them. They did not like that. I will say, though, I think a lot of that's on Booger because he was just not good on camera. Like, that was a big part of that criticism. Yeah. Jason, I mean, they're good on the mic either. You you throw that to Michelle Tafoya. Obviously, we're talking about different sports. You throw that to Michelle Tafoya, it's a different story. Like, like, but I mean, and even the Tony Kornheiser thing, they brought in Tony Kornheiser. That was innovation and that didn't necessarily work. So it's like you try these different things and, you know, it's not necessarily going to be like the advertisers or the big networks are going to be like, oh, yeah, we're on board. Because when they've tried these things in the past, they have not necessarily worked or been what people have been wanting. And I 100 percent agree with that. But Kornheiser is another old caster. I'm saying oh, I, that I, yeah, I'm not I know. Saying yeah. these are direct analogies. I'm no, just yeah, saying yeah. these are the things that they're going to bring up when you ask them to innovate. And, and specifically to TNT, specifically to TNT, the caveat is they have smashed success. Like they've they hit them they hit the lottery with how they're doing things right now. I don't want TNT to ever change. Like what they're doing right now is perfect. But I personally just have issue with the casting side of things. I think the 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 proof the proof of what I'm trying to say is how successful inside the NBA is. Like when you you literally have people tuning in to watch inside the NBA more than the games at times to catch the recap and stuff like that because it's a show that's proven it's funny it's more than just a dry cast of basketball and obviously that's you know it doesn't exist without basketball I'm not trying to say <laughs> let's just ignore the games and go straight to the casting side of it but I think that there's a little bit of like that whole market there I, I cannot stress enough how exciting what I'm enjoying is versus how I felt about the casting of the NBA. Yeah, I just can't stress enough how, how different it is. And we will give Austin the last word on that because we absolutely – I know you guys are – Derek is Mr. Time Guy, but, yeah, I'm Mr. Time Guy. We got we to move oh, on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We, we, I had a great small, quick little point. Yeah. No, I see my time. I see very my time. Small, very small. I've said no, enough. I don't care. I've said enough. <laughs> no, just real quick. So there is, I think, some light in the tunnel for the NBA because they talked about doing stuff like these uh, in-season tournaments or the playing games and such. So maybe they could, like, package that – and maybe say, okay, for the in-season tournament, that's going to be streamed online. And we're going to use all of our own guys and control that more than these games that are regular season games because those are kind of allotted for your TV contracts. So maybe doing something like that, they can change the structure of, okay, during the regular season, your regular games are on your regular broadcast, ESPN, TNT, whatever. When we have these mini tournaments throughout the year, those are going to be streamed if you want to watch those, and you can get this on different platforms and such. So maybe that's an avenue for them to kind of have more control over their product. And the presentation, as a side to just giving it to these stations, say, okay, you know, y'all can do whatever and add your own people to the side as well. So mm-hmm. that might be something else that they're, they're thinking of long term to do if it does come to fruition where they have those tournaments and such. And I'm excited for it. But I will say that if you are five years behind a trend, you're too late to the trend. Did, did, he, not, did, did he not just say that, that he was Excuse done. me, sir, I am talking. Did, did he not, I am uh, talking. Did he not just say that he was done. <laughs> No, I said I seeded my time. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> also, well, no, I had to respond to that, Derek. I had to respond to that. No, no, next question. I'll, next I'll, question. Get, to, I'll get to respond, Derek. Will you shut up, huh? man? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, got, you got to let me respond to that, right? I mean. You, 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 you can have 30 seconds to respond. Uninterrupted? Right. <laughs> Uninterrupted, right? Thank uh, you. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, so, Austin, if, if, like you said, if the digital era is the future, it doesn't matter if you're five years behind. It's going to be the future no matter what. So you got to get with the times eventually. That's right. why it doesn't matter if you're late or not, because as long as you get there, it's the important thing, because that's what you need to get to to have your business take off in the future. That's you're why not, I said you're they, not they're wrong, probably fine with waiting. But mimicry is not innovation. 
Mm-hmm. And that's I, my I, problem. I thought, I thought Daniel was making a joke. He actually had another point to make. No, I mean, <laughs> I did, yeah. I'm just saying, mimicry, mimicry is not innovation, though, because five years from now, I don't know the future. I don't know what the next cool thing is going to be, and the NBA could be doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the only thing about that. That's where I get mad about being behind the ball. So two things yeah. in, in closing. If you want to hear what we have to say about Mark Cuban versus Ted Cruz, Move into a midweek take where we will break that whole situation down for you. Uh, that is what we call in the business a midweek tease, baby. Yeah, turn a, a turn negative into a positive. Secondly, you have now seen why Austin Brazina has been gone for two weeks. The truth is, he was banned because he does things like this, and I banned him from the program. Ah. Now he's banned again. He won't be back. No, I'm just, yep. <laughs> that's yep. not true. That's See, not what they, they got. <laughs> I totally made that. I totally made that up. <laughs> but I will. I will say this. And it, it's actually I have it's a question for Terrell because Terrell he looks a little bored over there quite frankly. <laughs> I, I, just, I would want to know Terrell if it is time, or if it is <laughs> maybe not time for the greatest segment in the history segments. Perhaps it's time. All right, awesome. You used all your time filibustering about about this. So exactly, it was the topic. Exactly three minutes, no more. That's no. okay. I don't need to warm up. I'm coming <laughs> fucking hot, right? If you, <laughs> you have fuck three a beat, we'll do it acapella. Third party voters. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So third party voting. Look, I recently have gotten into an argument with a couple of people because I noticed in a, uh, what I called an alarming trend of I'm noticing a rise of third party voters. Specifically, this speaks to me because I, in 2016, voted protest. I voted Bernie Sanders as a write-in because I was extremely unhappy with the DNC. And, you know, I don't want to defend my actions, justify my actions, but basically I didn't consider Trump serious enough at the time. I was woefully wrong. And for the past four years, I feel some culpability in that. And that's just the bottom line of it. So I posted about third-party voting, specifically how this is a vote for Trump. If you're third-party voting in the presidential election, I truly and earnestly believe this is a vote for Donald Trump because... If you do not willingly want to vote for Trump, at this point, he's so polarizing, you don't have a non-opinion on him. You either have an opinion that he's okay or you have an opinion that he's not okay. If you are of the opinion that Donald Trump is okay to serve, then cool, whatever, fuck you. But (laughs) if you have the opinion that Donald Trump is not fit to serve, but you still don't want to vote for Biden because Biden is not your candidate, he's creepy, he's an old man, he doesn't serve your interests, you're putting your personal beliefs over potential civil liberties. Mm-hmm. You're putting your personal beliefs over Donald Trump winning another four years, causing more chaos, causing more pandemonium. And then on top of that, the Supreme Court's up for stake. So many things are up for stake with this election. Mm-hmm. And your protest vote in the presidential election does not serve anybody specifically for the presidential election. I 100% agree. First of all, the primaries were the time to hash all this out. If y'all didn't want Biden, you should have voted him out in the primaries. That's not what happened. Democrats wanted Biden. Cool. Now we're on this boat now. Yes, it is a swallow the pill and vote kind of thing, which is a narrative that the Trump campaign has tried to spin against Biden since way back in the primaries. You know, the uh, you know, just grin and bear it and vote for Biden. But the truth is, this isn't a vote for whether or not Biden is your candidate. This is a vote for whether or not you think Trump can do more damage in four years. And as I said today earlier, on, 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 I was talking to somebody, we're only 60 years removed from Jim Crow laws. We are only 100 years from, from worse than that. People fought. They, they fought tooth and nail. They clawed for where we are now today. And where we are now today is that we still have anti-Black Lives Matter rhetoric. We still have politicians who are openly racist, not necessarily against Black Lives, but openly racist against Muslims, other stuff 
you know, there's so much going on in this. That took a century and more. And we're, we're just not even to the place. They, they, they were fighting for equality. They're not fighting for something greater than equality. They're not fighting tax cuts. They're fighting just basic treat them as human beings. And we're not even 100% there yet. You voting protest this election because you want your vote to be counted, that is not going to change things in four years. You're not making four years of change with the protest vote right now. But the damage Trump does in those four years far outweighs your census vote. And that was my big take on, on, on third party voting. And frankly, Betsy DeVos just put someone who was anti-trans in her, uh, in her commission. So, I mean, the, the, these are real things. They are literally undoing civil liberties and civil rights that were hard fought and hard won. That's what the Trump administration is about. So when you want to tell me that Joe Biden, who is just your standard white politician, all right, let's just be real. He's the standard white politician we've been dealing with for 20 years. Donald Trump is a danger to democracy. They are not the same. And just to piggyback a little bit off of Austin's point, if you want to build a viable third party, it does not happen by voting four years for a libertarian candidate or a green candidate. It happens at the local election. You build your party locally. You send them to the state Congress, Congress, then maybe hopefully to Congress, maybe some of them become senators. Then you have a viable third party because you have a pool of candidates and a pool of power to uh, political power to work from. But simply voting for a third candidate every four years, I'm frankly, no matter in any election, it does nothing. They're not going to win. They don't have even if they were to win, they don't have any political backing in Congress to get anything done. So they're still a slave to whichever side of the aisle they, they, they are. And trust me, they have some side of the aisle that they are closer to than the other. And that's who they'll go with, because that's how they'll be able to do anything once they get elected president. So even on the off chance that they were somehow to rally enough votes to win enough electoral votes to get into presidency, they would become a Republican or a Democrat just by default. That's just what would happen. And so trying to build a party through one vote every four years is the epitome of, of ineptitude. It's not doing what you think it's doing. And in most cases, when you're talking about Al Gore, or George Bush, maybe I can concede that those are very like candidates. It doesn't really matter if you use your vote to, to vote, to not vote for one of them. But when you have someone like Donald Trump, who is literally a danger to democracy versus a dude who's just standard everyday politician, it's a little more, it's a little more than usual. All right. This isn't Hillary Clinton versus Mitt Romney. This isn't, even Barack Obama versus John McCain. All right. You know, so think about what Austin said. It was well articulated. Think about how you really want to build a third party. And it, I think if you do the research and you think about it, you'll realize that it is not through making one protest vote every four years. Um, it's certainly not through voting for Joe Jorgensen, who is basically just Republican light. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. She's 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 no better than Joe. Like people want to tout Joe Jurgensen. It's like she's no better than Joe Biden. She's no better than Donald Trump. She's really not. I'm I'm sorry. She's not qualified to be president of the United States. That's just what it is. She has no political experience on any level whatsoever. She's not been elected to the PTA, let alone a city council, let alone state congress, let alone Congress. So it's like I'm not experienced guy per se, but you gotta give me some. Give me some. She ain't so, been elected dog catcher. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Give me one political win. Even if you're a community organizer, you know, that would be something. She doesn't even have that on her resume. Right. It's like, it's like you, you have to understand that just because you want a candidate that is not Joe Biden or is not Donald Trump, that doesn't automatically make the third choice the best choice just because you want it to be. All right. So, um, Terrell, Daniel, any anything on that? Since, you know, I, I also filibustered a little bit after Austin. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, not, not too much. I, I would just think that when you vote, you kind of will want your vote to hopefully count towards a greater scheme of things. So for people who say that at this stage of the game that, you know, I don't like either of them, I'm going to vote third party. It sounds more to me like they either are one being lazy or doing just disservice to themselves and others as well, because you, you can't tell that you can't go through each and every person's policies, what they stand for, what they want to have done and can't decide, okay, I'm going to make a list between the pros and cons and who kind of uh, levels out on, on each end, um, be that Trump or be that Biden. You have to be able to decide between two people I know it's not something we, most of us don't want to do it, but it's something we have to do as an American, as someone who has the ability to vote as an adult, you have to make those tough decisions. Sometimes, sometimes you don't get exactly what you want, but still have to make the decision. That's part of just being grown. So in that sense, like Derek was saying, you kind of see what's going on in the country, the way things are going. And to just kind of sit back and say, oh, okay, well, I know you might want to do whatever, but just to kind of appease myself and my own pride, I'll just do my own vote over here. That either means that I guess, A, you're not affected by anything going on or you just don't care or I don't know. But it, it says a lot more about you than it does about the candidates if you just decide that, OK, well, I know what's at stake here, but I still just choose to protest the vote by just voting somewhere else. Right. Um, so at this stage of the game, this is too important to me. People, people's lives, actual lives are at stake with what's going on here. Uh, the lives of, of quite a few people of color, uh, people of different sexual orientations. A lot of stuff is on the line right now. So you have to kind of, you know, wake up, get out a, there, be informed and make an informed decision. A woman's right to choose also on the line. A woman's right to choose ton of stuff. So you can't just say that what's going on that you can't decide between the two, either whatever side you want to, you want to land on, you, you have to be able to make that decision. The reason we have stuff like primaries and stuff is so we can get a sense of where is America trending, who will actually have the support to actually get into office. That's why we do these primaries. So based off of that, it lets you know, okay, if I vote for this third party person, if they had no support, then I already know that they're most likely, right. very likely not going to get elected. You wasted so your vote. At that sense, yeah, that's when you got to change your mindset and, okay, I, my person probably is not going to get in there. Who's the two people that have the most support? And let me see what they're about. Go back in there, decide, do my research. And then from there, make the best choice you can. That's all we have. Even, Even if it's one issue. Even if it's one issue that you got to look at. And then you got to look at where those two, uh, those two players, Jesus, uh, you got to look at where those two politicians stand on that issue that's most important to you. And nine out of 10 people, if they've got a specific issue that's, that's really important to them, even though this two party system kind of sucks, if you got two politicians that's sitting in front of you and you see a track record for one versus the other on whatever that issue that's important to you is, and yet and you know one of it, one of them has a clear you know sides with you clearly on one thing or another and you go and vote for a green for because well i don't like him on some other stuff like no fine pick an issue and go from there but don't don't literally self-inflicted wound yourself to where your vote doesn't count because that's basically what people are doing when they're voting for these people that nobody's ever heard of um you know and then say well because th th that issue they they're here on okay yeah but they ain't got no power they never will have any power. So why are you even worried about what they think about that issue? Go vote for your grandma then. Yeah, the, the point of a protest vote is to have your voice counted as a statistic. And that's cool and all, but that's not what the presidential election is. The presidential election, like Daniel saying, or Terrell saying, if it's one, even if it's one issue, even if you're voting Trump, even if the issue is you make $500,000 a year and you're afraid of taxes under Biden. Right. You know what? I mean, hey, at the end of the day, I'd rather you not vote for Trump. But look, if that's the only thing that matters to you is your money, 
Don't mm-hmm. vote third party. Vote for the guy who's going to protect your money. There you go. Because the only way, like, voting for third party is literally letting the rest of America decide for you. And you know what? Yes, you, you have your voice is meant to be heard. Your voice has a right to be counted. But you're you're sitting back and you're letting other people decide for you. And if you don't think that four years of Trump is worse than four years of Biden mm. and you vote, it, it, that's that's what it boils down to. If you think Trump is OK for four more years, then do whatever you want. But if you truly think Trump is a problem, you've got to vote Biden. And it sucks, but you got to do it. Yeah. And on that dour note, <laughs> we will conclude our podcast. I actually had something else to say, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for another time because we are, we, are, we are running hot today. We're running very hot today. Uh, awesome. Yeah, came back with the fire, my friend. Whoa, hot fire flame. Say goodbye. Oh, fire you spread. Look at that cute-ass cat back there. This is a radio <laughs> medium, bro. They can't no, see the they cat. Can, they can see the cat. I see, I see a lump. <laughs> it's a little lump. Wait on YouTube, man. Is that your goodbye, Austin? Is that what I'm to believe is your goodbye, sir? Yeah, I mean, I can go pick her up. If you want. That's a very awesome. That's actually a very awesome goodbye, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you want me to be serious? <laughs> Look at the cat. <laughs> Look at the cat. Daniel Davidson, thank you for joining and stopping by on your anniversary, my friend. Yes. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, congrats, man. Mr. Poppy, thank you, sir. And uh, sign off, my friend. <laughs> the weekend to take. Because the week may end, but sports don't. Yeah, Support the arts, baby. Support the arts. Dale's left me because I messed that up. I didn't mean sign off like do the sign off. <laughs> do my thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm Randy R. Lewis. You signed off. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> no, we, gotta, we gotta do it again. We gotta do it again. Uh, because you picked up a phone. <laughs>